guys. Welcome back to the Live Loud Life podcast. My name is Dr. Antonio, your host of the Live Loud Life podcast. Uh, and today we have uh, one of our patients, actually. This is Tierson, Tierson Bickmore. She has Tierson Bickmore coaching. Uh, and we're going to be talking about self-care, happiness, and looking at uh, when we think about coaching, obviously coaching can be open-ended for multiple different kind of areas of your life. Uh, but uh, Tirsten has a fitness background, a, a quite extensive background. So I'm going to let her talk a little bit about what her coaching is, what her practice looks like, and then we'll dive into what self-care and happiness looks like and how we can uh, you know, figure out maybe a system that works best for your life to implement these things. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited about this. So as mentioned, um, my name is Tierson, and I am actually a holistic health coach. So I look at more than just fitness and nutrition. I look at health from um, a whole standpoint, and I often associate it with the fishbowl approach, which is um, you can feed a fish the best food, you know, the right amount of food, but the fish isn't going to be healthy if it doesn't have the right oxygen in the tank or a right amount of sunlight or even um, the things around it that can can give it stimulus. So that's kind of the basics of when I work with um, my clients, we look at um, their health as a whole. So of course, nutrition often comes into it, physical exercise, but also stress plays a huge role into it. Things that are happening in their house, um, things that are happening externally. Um, and then oftentimes joy and happiness is a big topic that we talk about as well. So when it comes to coaching, um, especially with my clients, we work um, basically from a front of um, starting with the superficial, the physical, and then letting it permeate a little bit deeper as we start to move into kind of more the emotional and energetic states. Now, just out of curiosity, why do you start in that direction? Because I feel like a lot of people, they're like, well, surf surface level, physical, that's, you know, that's a manifestation from the inside where a lot of people want to start with the emotional side to like, you know, start breaking down walls from the get go? That's a great question. Um, what I found with my clients is actually most people come to me with like a basic, I want to lose weight as often like, um, especially because I work with women primarily. So it's usually I want to lose weight. And so you've got this surface level, you have this thing, okay, I want to lose weight. Well, what are you eating? Let's start there. So then we talk about that. And it's like, well, then why are you eating that? If you're overweight, you, then there's obviously an excess of calories and some other stuff happening. So then we go into that. And then you start to look to the emotional state as well. And and, um, and then that's where it starts to permeate a little bit deeper. If you're having an emotional reaction to food or you feel like it's habitual, why do you feel like that? And so again, it starts to permeate a little bit deeper. Yeah, no, that's, it's, it's, it's been referenced in multiple ways, but the five whys, right? Just keep asking why and then yeah. all of a sudden you figure out what's at the base of the problem. Totally, totally. Yeah. I guess the question that you're asking of like, I want, or the, the goal or solution that you're actually looking for. Um, no, that, and that's, that's so important. Cause I mean, we, t I obviously take that approach, but from a mechanical or biomechanical approach of understanding pain, right? So for instance, dealing with the shoulder injury, right? <laughs> well, why did it happen? Why are we doing a movement? Why did we do it this way? Is this something we've been taught or is this something that's just kind of, so you just keep diving down and all of a sudden, other than just rubbing the shoulder and trying to make it feel better, we figured out the long-term solution for helping develop more resilient shoulders, a more resilient human being other than just the external physical approach, right? More resilience, more resiliency and emotional health, so on and so forth. Totally. So how does, so the big, the big topic then, happiness, self-care. Yeah. Self-care generates happiness. Happiness can obviously go back and forth. 
what is what 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 is that what is that like how do you approach it with clients why is that such a big component with your clients and you know we could argument argumentatively say majority of people yeah totally um and so it actually um it all really started with my kind of uh deep dive into this kind of realm of happiness and self care started kind of uh, with me on my surface level. I found myself overwhelmed i'm a mom um i have i'm an entrepreneur on top of that I contract yoga teaching classes, and then I have um both my household, my husband, and my children to constantly take care of so that's a lot on my plate um and so I found myself really drained of energy every single day where I was like not giving my best to anyone, anything in my life. And then I even found this like sense of kind of dread um, each day. And like, that's no way to live a life. And I know that. As I started uh, learning about the holistic health coaching and learning about what they call the primary food, which is like food that nourishes your soul, less about the food that goes into your mouth, there was this aspect that kept coming up, popping up that I felt like I was deficient in, and that was joy. And I I found that to just be so interesting because why why wasn't I finding joy? So fast forward when I started working with clients, I'm finding the same thing. They're overworked, they're overwhelmed. Um, I love the analogy like you're on an airplane and this and the uh, flight attendant says, "Put your mask on first." <laughs> And then help the person next to you, you know? But we're not doing that as moms. We're putting the mask on everybody else. But you ask any parent, though, any parent <laughs> in that situation, we're like, no, I'm putting the mask on the kid first. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm putting the mask on. I, I will gasp for air. And so that's what we're doing. And so that's really what helped me dive deep into this kind of idea of like happiness. So the idea of happiness and self-care, well, self-care actually falls under happiness, but actually at the same time is the broad reaching range around happiness. And I can explain that. So there's really five pillars to happiness. The first pillar is acceptance. And so you want to be fully accepting of not only the situation that you're in, but the feelings that you have. So you look at that as emotional maturity or resiliency. That's where you're going to really develop that idea of, I have an emotion, this is my emotion, and I'm going to overcome the emotion. And once you can understand your emotions and really truly feel them, you're going to actually be able to feel all of your other emotions, uh, what I always say, like a little bit brighter. So um, if you if you struggle with, um, let's say, stress or sadness or anger and you try to numb out those feelings, um, and numbing out can look like alcohol, it can look like busyness, being really productive, um, it can look like just pretending it's not there, you actually end up numbing out all of your other emotions as well. So I know. So you won't feel happiness and joy as brightly because your body doesn't distinguish. Like It's like, I have an emotion. I'm numbing the emotion. Turn into a machine. Yeah, exactly. A little robot. Um, and then the second uh, pillar to happiness, this is one of my favorites, is gratitude. Um, and so being really grateful, authentically grateful for the things that are in your life will actually bring about more of a positive attitude. So I'm sure you know this. We have this thing called the negativity bias, where our brains naturally go towards the negative. It's yeah. it's ingrained in us. It's us looking on the horizon, looking for things that are going to kill us, the saber-toothed tiger. Um, well, our brains are still doing it. And I, found, I heard this statistic the other day, and I 
found this to be super interesting. So your amygdala, your fight or flight response, um, two thirds of its neurons are actually used to look for negativity in both your feelings and the situation around you. That's crazy. It's crazy. One, you know, and then seeing that just because you know, the way that the world works is more energy into something than bright makes that brighter, not brighter in the sense of good. But think of everything, not that social media is bad, but marketing and advertising, it's always, always usually resolved around problem solving, right? Something's wrong, 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 negative, negative, negative solution, right? So you just, it's, I feel like it's just enhancing that even more so. Yeah, not only do we have that in in us, but we're constantly being bombarded by that. We're constantly being told, I think, through social media and through, you know, marketing that we're not good enough, but this product can help you be good enough. And so negativity begets negativity. It's easy to go down that road. And so if you get yourself down into the cycle of negativity, one of the best and number one things that you can do is focus on the things that you're authentically grateful for in life. So you can it can be super simple, right? The other day I was watching this rabbit out in front of my, in my front yard. And I, I mean, it was just like living its best life. I watched it clean itself. It took a nap. I mean, it was like totally sprawled out. I, I found so much joy in that rabbit that when I was doing my own gratitude practice, I was like, I'm really thankful for this rabbit. Like that was really, I don't know, it brought a lot of meaning to my life that day. Um, so, and so again, gratitude helps you bring you back to the positive. It takes you away from the negative and brings you back to the positive. Um, and so going down that route, the third thing that helps or the third pillar of happiness, and this is another good one is intentional kindness. So being kind to other people. And I'm sure we've all heard kind of like, if you're feeling down, go help somebody. And that's like the number one thing that you can do is actually just go out and spread love. Um, there was a study that was done a couple of years ago that found one of the number one ways um, to bring about just a quick positive experience was to write a thank you note to somebody, hand deliver it to them, and have them read it out loud. And it was like a mutually exclusive, like positive experience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found that to be really cool too. And even Deepak Chopra talks about like, if you want a quick boost of happiness, go to somebody, a friend, a family member, it could be a stranger and just tell them something that you really love about them and then watch them smile, make them smile. Um, intentional gratitude, or I'm sorry, intentional kindness, like when you're kind to other people actually helps you to release oxytocin, our love hormone. So you automatically get that, um, hugs do the same. And so does the six second kiss, yeah. but just make sure the person wants the kiss. Six seconds. <laughs> six seconds. Oh, okay. <laughs> My husband and I often have a joke. We hug and it's like, it doesn't count unless it's 20 seconds. Or if there's a kiss, it's like six seconds long. That's so funny. I did not know. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So, you know, but also like the important thing to note too about happiness or and the intentional kindness is that you also want to be intentionally kind to yourself. So it's so easy to be nice to other people. It's so much harder to be nice to yourself. And that goes back to that negative bias. We're automatically hardwired to look for the negative in ourselves. Um, and then continuing down the road, the fourth um, part of, uh, let's see. Oh, yes. This one always, I think I often push this one in the back of my head just because it's the one I struggle with the most, is um, tuning into your big why. So your big life's purpose. And um, so I don't know if you've ever heard of the blue zones. No. 
Okay, so this is really cool. So the blue zones are these seven kind of hot spots around the world that have a high percentage of centurions. So people that live to be a hundred or yeah. more, but they're living well, right? They're still up, they're still active. And so the guy um, who went and explored these areas and wrote a whole book on it um, found there were like nine things that all of these areas held in common. And one of them was all of the people really tuned into their life's purpose. So for some, it was helping with family. For some, it was helping with community. But um, in terms of finding your why, this is extremely important because it gives you a sense of purpose. It lets you know like why you're doing the things that you're doing in connection to them. Um, I heard a story recently about a guy who was making parts for airplanes, um, and it was like a part that he made that helped with another part to make the plane safer. Um, he sold it. He hated his job. Um, and then he heard about this like sense of why, why, why are you doing what you're doing? And once he connected with he was actually making planes safer, he could tune in and be like, oh, I'm making people safer on airplanes. And when he started to share that with his family, he felt a deeper sense of pride in what he was doing and his job became less stressful. It became less overwhelming. He yeah. gave himself that deep sense of purpose. Yeah. That's awesome. I know. And then lastly is self-care. And so this is when it comes into play. So self-care is a way um, to incorporate basically all that I've talked about. It's that idea of accepting your emotions and your situations, finding gratitude for your life, um, being intentionally kind, and then tuning into your bigger purpose. Um, and the thing about self-care, which is really, really interesting, is I think a lot of us um, think of it as like self-indulgent self-care, where you're going out, you're getting massages. Are you going on shopping sprees? Are you taking a vacation to Mexico? You know, like, and I get it. That's fun. Um, but when you come back from that, your life is still there. Yeah. The overwhelm, the problems are all going to be there. And so we were talking before this podcast about, you know, staying out of, I look at, there's like three different stages of overwhelm. There's the green stage, which is like, you know, green light, everything's good. You have your yellow stage, which is like, oh, you know, you might need to tailor it back. And then you have the red stage. And this is when you're in your like freeze, fight or flight. Um, the idea with self-care is to manage that, get ahead of the game. So you do little things to keep yourself less stressed later on. Um, so if you can, you know, spend a couple of minutes a day breathing, journaling, meditating. I love the idea of just leaving your house five minutes early so you're not rushed to get somewhere. I know. <laughs> but it's like little things that you can do throughout your day to create less stress for yourself later on yeah. that will keep you in the green zone and keep you out of the yellow and the red zone. No, that's a really good analogy because it's, 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 and I always use the example of either like a negative feedback loop or a feed forward mechanism, right? So they work in the same, it's just momentum, right? You can either have momentum where negativity is building on negativity or you're creating this buffer zone of doing intentionally things and that reciprocates itself and like compounding interest, you're getting more and more out of it each time you do it. Totally. Yeah. I did have a, I have a couple of questions though on, on the, on the whys and purpose. So, uh, you know, something that I go back and forth to, cause obviously being a healthcare provider, I'm, uh, I'm an engram too. So by nature, I am a helper mm -hmm. and Obviously, being in healthcare, that's part of what drew me to healthcare, but I feel like it's somewhat limited because, like, my natural inclination to help more people, I feel almost bottlenecked in choosing one thing, right? So, when it comes to a why, do you find that it's okay to have multiple whys, 
or is it better to kind of like like hey this is like the big thing because i think where most people struggle with is like how do i choose like what my one mission is Right. And that's another kind of great question. So there's a couple of ways that you can look at this. One is, so I'm a helper too, right? Like I, that once I tuned into my why, it tuned back to like, I just want to help people. I want people to feel good about themselves and I want to be the person to do that. So if you can distill it down to like that basic, if you're a helper, that that's your purpose. I'm helping. But if you find that there's a lot of like areas that you feel like you, you get pulled to in terms of helping, um, I would say just continue to explore them. Um, and, and when one gets pulled out and you, and you feel, and you gravitate towards that, then that, and then that could be the one for you. But in the meantime, I wouldn't get overly focused because that can create stress on like, I need to find my why, you yeah. know? So I think there was, um, uh, some, maybe it was a Ted talk or something about Elizabeth Gilbert who wrote, um, the love, what is it? Where she traveled around the world. Um, I'm blanking on the name of her book. It was a very popular book, but she always talks about find your passion, you know, find your purpose. And then somebody wrote to her and was like, "That was I'm I'm done with you. Like I have no passion. I've done all the things, and I can't seem to tune into my passion." And she really thought long and hard about it, and she was like, "You know what? There's plenty of us out there that." have a little bit of interest in a multitude of things because we're looking for that right seed, that right thread to pull on that really we gravitate to. And she said, the idea with that is just to keep doing that. Find if that's, if that lights up your soul and that's your passion and you keep looking for those things, keep doing it. Um, and then when, when the thing that's right for you presents itself, there's your, there's your purpose. Yeah. Now, this is something that I've been thinking about recently too, is the acceptance of where you are now, right? Mm -hmm. Having the gratitude. And I, I think about this too uh, from, um, uh, well, a, a couple of different ways from not only a self-reflection standpoint, but also um, uh, a, a religious practice, raised Christian and Christianity is God's put you in this moment in time for some reason, right? Mm -hmm. To have an impact on someone, have a conversation, whatever that might be. But also you are where you are because of also your actions, which gets down a whole different philosophical route. But if someone wants to be somewhere else or they're striving ambition, mm -hmm. right? How do you, how do you, control the lines of ambition and humility, right? Saying that I want more than I have, uh, right? Because we all can be more than what we are. We all can have more than we are. There's abundance, right? It's, it's available to everyone. But yet at the same time, accepting that what we have is enough. Okay. Yeah. So that's, yep, totally. So I think, I think it's important to to accept where you are. Like you, I don't think that you have to, it, it doesn't have to be black or white or and or or. They can be mutual. So it's okay to say like in this moment, this is where I am in my life. Like I've worked to this point. Um, I accept where I am. I still see a point that I can go to, but right now here's where I am. So to accept that, to accept where you are, you're actually gonna create a little bit more of a sense of peace and calm. You, if you're like, like I, I'm here, but it's not enough. I I need to get to this next place. Then you're going to create stress for yourself in the long run. That's again going to affect your happiness. So the idea is to stay out of the yellow, out of the red. And so it's okay to say like this is where I want to go. 
Um, but right now where I am is pretty good. Yeah. And so what I would say is if if you can fully accept where you are right now and you see there's a place that you want to go, there's this thing called Kaizen steps. Um, and it's basically these small measurable kind of wins that you can give yourself so that you feel the success, um, but also you don't overwhelm yourself. So I accept where I am right now. I see where I want to go. What's one tiny step I can do to get there and still be, you know, in the positive? Yeah, that's a good point. I like that. I like that breakdown. So obviously the five steps, that's that's like a, I mean, more or less a blueprint, if you will, of how we could and be maybe thinking about achieving happiness and self-care. Uh, so obviously maybe taking all of these at once might be too much. And obviously the best thing would be, okay, well, you as a person, it seems like we need to focus more on step three or four. But from a general perspective, is there any sort of suggestion you think most of us should start with? Uh, another great question. So I think it's just a matter of really looking at uh, all five points and seeing uh, you can do, I love the the numbered scale, like one to 10. Where do you think you are on the numbered scale? So, um, and there's also a lot of personal development kind of wheels, the wheel of wellness. And that's another great way to do it. You can just create a wheel of wellness and, and then put 10 lines on it, um, have five quadrants and then place where you think on those quadrants that you you are in terms of each of these five. You connect the lines so you can see where you are. The closer into the circle you are, the less comfortable you feel with that specific topic. The farther away towards the outside, the more comfortable the, the you look at it like a strength that you're doing well with. Yeah. So then you can take a look at that and you can say, okay, well, of the ones that I feel like needs work, which one do I am I resonating towards in that moment? And so let's say it's acceptance. Say there's, you know, you you can't seem to get past, you know, the feeling that you have right now, or you don't feel like you have emotional maturity to find that resiliency. Like emotions come and they take you and they overwhelm you. Then that would be a great and you feel comfortable starting there. Then that would be the great place to start. That's perfect. I like that. And we had, I mean, yeah, wellness. If you just look up to, I we I I created a planner for myself last year. I don't use it now because it ended up being way more elaborate than you know, <laughs> I thought. It was one of those like where you had like a whole page for each day. And I was like, this is way too much. Um, I kind of like more of like a week vision because mm -hmm. as you know, as a parent and different things, it's like if I get too set in my ways on one day, then I feel discouraged because something to get done because stuff happens. So I kind of like the ability of moving things side to side. Anyways, I, I created a, a, a wellness wheel to a, a certain point. And it is interesting to see as you take that that step and reflect on some of those things. You're just like, wow, that was a lot lower than I kind of thought it was at. Mm -hmm. I just wasn't thinking about it. So, so much of this comes back down to is intention, carving out time to actually think about these things too. Right. And like thought is really like the, the start of it, right? Um, think of it like a spotlight. Once you spotlight it, it becomes like it's in your vision. So it becomes, you know, less in the back of your mind, more to the forefront of your mind. And from that point, thought is the first thing. I often recommend with my clients that they start a journaling practice. Um, I know that writing or journaling, sometimes people um, are like, I'm not a writer. Yeah. But one of the best ways to start journaling is not to think of it like you're writing a book. It doesn't have to be linear thinking. It doesn't have to make any sense. It doesn't have to be X amount of time or X amount of length. Um, one of my clients just started off with writing a sentence. I feel blank. 
And that was it. She did that three times a week. That was such a meaningful experience to her. She learned so much about what was going on. So if you find that, let's say, um, you feel like you don't, ha you don't have a lot of positivity in your life, you're really struggling with that, a gratitude practice would be the perfect place to start with that. And you literally put your thoughts down on paper. I am grateful for, name three things. That's the end of your journaling. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Uh, and I think that's a that's a obviously good place to start is picking one of these things, picking journaling as an option. Uh, I know a lot of people are advocates too of just like the idea of just slowing down to like taking micro breaks throughout the day, five deep breaths, mm -hmm. something like that. Just because again, and I am saying this from me because I don't do this. It's just it's just from 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 weight from you know from awake to bed. It just almost seems like a, a sprint, right? Some days, right? And it seems hard to think about that, you know, is, is there even an opportunity to stop and breathe? But there always is. So that's what's hard too, is like, as as you and I probably know, sometimes we're our own worst clients and patients. <laughs> and it's so true. And um, I mentioned earlier about the Kaizen steps, like the small kind of measurable success or wins that you can take. This is a perfect example of how you can do that for yourself. So we all have one minute in the day, right? Sure. One minute. So if you set a timer on your phone and say like 10, a.m. on Tuesday, you know, for one minute, I'm going to breathe. Yeah. And that's all it is. You just sit down, close your eyes, breathe. You don't even have to close your eyes. You can just like stare at something. Yeah. Um, like you are, you are going to set yourself up. That is, that is actual self-care. Like it doesn't have to be this big hours long event. It doesn't have to be even be 15 minutes, but if you can give yourself one tiny amount of time, that's perfect. And if one minute is too long, tailor it 30 seconds, any little bit of time you can give yourself, give yourself that win. Because once you have that win, you're going to be able, you're, you're going to find the momentum a lot easier to expand upon that. For sure. Yeah. How do you say it again? Kaizen. Kaizen steps. Yeah. And there's a whole story behind it. It was like American, like the American military or government made it for like the Japanese government. Um, I, I would, I wouldn't do it justice to tell the story right now, but there's a story behind it. Well, I'll see if I can find uh, a link or something if anyone was curious. Yeah, I can definitely, I can provide that information. <laughs> Be good. Uh, awesome. Well, uh, this was phenomenal. Uh, I don't have any other questions. Is there anything else that you want to add in as a plug to your coaching or anything to kind of wrap it up? Um, no, this is just a lot of stuff that I work on. Um, it's always, uh, what I do with myself. So I extend it always to my clients as well. So, um, and it's a fun, it's fun to talk about. It's fun to explore. There's a lot of people that have aha moments and breakthroughs, not only with their nutrition, but again, their primary food, what feeds their soul. Yeah, no. And again, this is one, this is just one piece of the puzzle of coaching, right? So imagine oh my gosh. just this conversation and, and the bleed out that it has on everything else, right? This, this, this affects, uh, the physical aspects of how your body operates even, right? Increased cortisone levels, uh, cortisol levels and everything affecting how you sleep and how you function hormonally. So, you know, we're not just saying that like, Hey, this is important just from like a mental perspective. This does have profound effects, physical outputs on and so forth as well. For sure. For sure. What happens internally happens externally. What happens externally happens internally. It's all interconnected. I think that's what's so important. Like, and like you said, it's just finding that right jumping point of like where to start and then how to affect both sides. So this would be, if you're unsure, you're going to reach out to Tierson. And she's going to help you. Do you, uh, do you do remote coaching as well? Is it only in person? No, actually, I only do Zoom coaching. So Zoom or Google Chat. You are. 
can get to know. Yeah, totally. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. This has been awesome. This was this was fantastic. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. What's up?